Hey, Generation Church, we welcome you and invite you to encounter Jesus with us. We believe that through him, we will encounter love and discover our purpose. So take a seat, lean in, and let this message fortify your faith. If I could have 30 minutes, we're going, we're going a little longer, but um, I really do believe the Lord has a word for us today that I want to share. Well, why don't you turn with me in your Bible to, um, to Luke 19, verse 28 through 42. Luke 19, verse 28 through 42. Today's Palm Sunday, if you don't realize that or know that, it is. And in that, we want to celebrate this wonderful day of what Jesus did for us. But it starts in verse 28. After he had said these things, he was going on ahead and going up to Jerusalem. And when he approached Bethphage and Bethany near the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you. There, as you enter, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? You shall say, the Lord has need of it. So those who were, uh, were sent away found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, the owner said to him, Why are you untying the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus. And they threw their coats on the colt and put Jesus on it. And as he was going, they were spreading their coats on the road. And as soon as he was approaching near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles which they had seen, shouting, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But Jesus answered, I tell you, if these become silent, the stones will cry out. When he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and he wept over it. There's only a couple of places in the scriptures that you'll see where Jesus is weeping. And this is one of them. And I'm sure there was a lot in his heart because of his love for Israel, for his people, because he saw them as sheep without a, without a shepherd. He saw them that they were lost in their way and in their sin. And he saw that they were obstinate, stiff-necked, and were not turning their hearts to the living God. And in that Matthew 23, verse 37, I'm going to read this to you. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together, the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were unwilling. He wept over them because they were really unwilling to really surrender the sovereignty of their lives and really come under the reign of Almighty God. And he said in verse 42, if you had known in this day, even you, the things which make for peace. That's so important you underline that in your Bible. The things which make for peace. But now they have been hidden from your eyes. The things which make for peace. 
as, as he was coming into Jerusalem, the scripture says they were laying out their clothes on the road. That word actually there, garment, means prayer shawl. It actually what they were doing is that they were laying out their prayer shawls on the road as Jesus was walking by. So they were taking their prayer shawls and they were just laying them down all like this on the road. And as they were doing that, they were signifying that Jesus was the Messiah, the one that they had been praying for. See, when a, when a Jew would pray, they would put on a prayer shawl and, and, and many times they would be putting on a prayer shawl and they would be praying for the Messiah, the King of Israel to come. They would be praying for the Messiah. So in that, as they, were, as they had been praying for thousands of years for the Messiah, the day came when the Messiah was coming into Israel. So when they were laying down their prayer shawls, they were saying, you are the Messiah, the coming king. And they were doing that and shouting. And I mean, I'm sure it rocked Israel. They were just shouting out because Israel had been waiting for the Messiah. And the Messiah had come. And then all of this is such a dichotomy in that on one hand, you have everybody celebrating and are so excited about Jesus riding in on a donkey. And as Jesus is coming into the city, he's weeping. They're shouting, he's weeping. And he's weeping because they did not know what makes for peace. See, they thought what made for peace was that the Messiah, from their understanding, was going to sit on the throne in Jerusalem and rule as a governing king. They thought that the Messiah would dethrone the Roman Empire and they would have free reign and rule in Israel living life under their crown king. They thought Rome's, Rome, the Roman Empire's days were over with and they were celebrating. And he says, you don't know what makes for peace. I'm not coming to dethrone Rome. I'm not coming to lift off all of the uh, things that Rome has brought to the city. There were many governing laws the Roman Empire had the people live by. If a Roman soldier asked you to walk a mile with his pack, to carry his pack, they had road markers in Israel for, for every mile. And if a Roman soldier says, I want you to carry my armor and my pack, which were very heavy, you had to carry it by law, Roman law, you had to carry it a mile. Well, Jesus says, if he asks you to carry it for a mile, carry it for two miles. He was going to up, upend the system, but he was not getting ready to remove Rome. So in that, they did not know what makes for peace. The people were crying out, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. The peace that they were believing for the Messiah to do was not what Jesus 
had in mind. The means that he had for peace was totally different than what they thought was peace. So what are the things which make for peace? That's a really important question. Galatians 1.20 says this, And through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. It is the blood of Jesus that makes for peace. It is the blood of Jesus that sets you free. It was the blood that he was getting ready to shed on the cross that was going to liberate the people of Israel. So the question is, though, why did God have to make peace with, with everything through his son's blood? Why do you have to make a peace? For God to make peace is implying that, that there's people that are against God. Or that there's people that are mad with God. Or that there's people that are at war with God. You know, I don't just wake up and think, I'm just really mad at God. I'm going to really give it to him. Yeah, I mean, we're not, we don't like, we're not at war with God. And it's like, but what is he talking about? What is he talking about? In the natural, I don't think that I'm mad with God. So it really must come down to my standing with God. Or it's my position with God. From his perspective and not my perspective. He's seen something that's causing enmity between us. A division between us that I don't see. So what makes us odd with God? At odds with God. What, do, what makes us odd with God? James 4.4. 4. It says, you adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So those who choose to be friends with the world, who want to be so accepted by the world, who want to be of the world, who want to live in the world, who is the little g God of this world? It is Satan. So if you're choosing to live in the world, be of the world, be of the flesh, live about your own desires, do things your way, and be accepted by the world, you're living under the reign of Satan. You're living in his backyard. You're one of them. And you're under the sovereign rule, in a way, or slavery is a better way, of the little God. You're a slave of Satan. So in that, it's talking about the reign of your life. Who is ruling and governing your life? Someone in the world is allowing it to be governed by the little G God. And God is saying, that is hostility with me. Someone that's not choosing to surrender their life 
and receive the free gift of life through my son Jesus who shed his blood for you, who died on Calvary, you are declaring that you're living in another one's backyard. You're in the enemy's camp. And God is saying, that is hostility with me. You're saying, I don't want you, God. I want to live by my own reign and not your reign. That's why this is so offensive to God. But in that, it is offensive on one side, but on the other side, the scripture says, but God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe in him shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. So in that, it's all about the attitude of the heart. So what makes peace with God is the blood of the lamb that appeases God, that, that, that removes the wrath of God. It allows God to, to be fully free in your life, to love you as his son and his daughter. 1 Corinthians 5.21 says, communicates the gospel so well in one verse. He made him, Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You were made righteous through the blood of the Lamb. So I want to focus the rest of this time on the precious blood of Jesus and what the precious blood of Jesus does for you. 1 Peter 1.18 says this, Knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life, inherited from your forefathers, but with the precious blood, as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. You know, circumstances that we go through in life can really make things precious. Um, you don't realize how precious health is until you're sick. You don't realize how precious water is until you've been really thirsty. I mean, I, I've gone hiking on, I went hiking one time, and the trail, I didn't realize this, but it was going to be a 10-mile hike. Well, I did not have, I didn't think we were going to go that long, and I didn't have any water. Well, hiking in the mountains for 10 hours, you can get mighty thirsty. And I'm telling you what, I just about wanted to drink it from the creek when I saw it, but I knew well, if I did that, that's not going to be good. But, you know, but you don't know how precious water is until you don't have water. Well, you don't know how precious riches are until you know when you don't have any money. You can't pay your bills. You don't know how precious something is until it's lacking in your life or you have need of it. So hunger makes food precious. Thirst makes water precious. Poverty makes riches precious. But sin makes the blood of Jesus precious. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. It makes our sinful nature is what magnifies and glorifies, not that sin 
is to glorify anything, but it makes the blood of the Lamb precious in your life because it washes away all the sin. So the blood of Jesus Christ is precious because of its redeeming power in your life. The blood has redeemed you. You remember I said at one time, in the world, when we were in the world, and trust me, I was in the world one time and lost as a goose. And I'll never forget the day that the Lord pulled back the curtain when I was in college and he showed me how dark it was. He showed me that, he showed me if I continue going down the road that I'm going down, it's going to end in separation from him. So my eyes were open to the reality that I needed a savior. And I was so frightened by what I saw. I, I remember the day I stood up in front of all my fraternity brothers, and it was a room just about like this, just as many people. And I looked, at you, I looked at them all, and I said, I know you guys don't know what in the world I'm getting ready to say, or don't realize what I'm getting ready to say, but I'm realizing I need to leave this group, you all, and I need to go home. And, and I packed up my bags that day, and I left college. Well, you know, that wasn't the best thing to do after your mom and dad had forked out all that money pay for a year's worth of college and all of a sudden I decided to go back home but you know what I was that prodigal coming home on the road I was that prodigal that realized how dark it was because I was sleeping in the enemy's camp and the precious blood of the lamb God took me by the scruff of my neck and transported me and put me into the kingdom of his blood son I was once in the enemy's camp and now I'm in God's camp and what took me by the scruff and lifted me up and put me in a, in a new place and made me new and gave me a new life was the blood the blood redeemed me it bought me back it bought you back the blood of the lamb paid the price of what the enemy has done it paid the price of your sin, and he snatched you. You know, he rescued some of you from great peril and destruction. Your life, if he had not bought you with his blood, you would have ended in destruction. God has said to my sister many times, your life would have really ended in a bad place if you had not received the blood. My life, he delivered me from great peril. I was an accident waiting to happen. But the blood of the lamb redeems me. So God teaches that the blood of Christ is precious. And he bought us with his blood. The blood of Jesus Christ is precious also because of its cleansing power. Let me read this to you. 1 John 1.7 says, but if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Hebrews 8, 6, uh, the word teaches us that we are in a better covenant, a new covenant. Under the Old Testament law, the blood of innocent animals that was shed the shedding of the blood was a type and shadow of Jesus in the Old Testament. But 
During Passover, which we're getting ready, Israel would be celebrating this coming week. We have uh, Easter celebration next Sunday. During Passover, it was one of the high holy feasts, high holy feasts, where all of Israel, about two million people, would gather. They would travel to Israel. There was three traveling feasts that you came to Israel, and one of those was Passover, and they would come into Israel, and there would be almost two million people. And by law, you were to sacrifice a lamb for your family. And that the, the, the lamb's blood would cover your sin. So it's ironic that the week that they're slaughtering probably close to 20,000 lambs, because a family could be 50, a family could be 100, but let's just say they were slaughtering 20,000 lambs, Passover lambs, to cover the sins of the family, the Lamb of God was being crucified on the cross in shedding of His blood, shedding of His blood to cleanse us of all of our sin. See, what is so, what you got to understand is that the blood of the Lamb cleanses you of the sin. See, what happened in the days of Israel is that your sin would be covered, but it wouldn't be cleansed. It would be covered. So in that every year, every year they had to sacrifice a lamb, and it would cover the sins of the people. So what made for peace with God during the days of Israel was the blood of lambs. But now we see it is the precious blood of Jesus that cleanses us of all. For example, let me just say, has anybody got a, a black Bible? Anybody got a black leather Bible? Yeah, black, black, here. This is a, a, black, a black notebook. All right. So if I took some black ink and I poured it on top of this, you know, the black ink would, would kind of, it could even blend in with this and it could soak into it. But this black ink really would not, it's just covering this book. The, the very essence of this book is still there. It's just the black, black ink would just cover it. But it's still a book. Well, that's just like your sin. The, the, the people of Israel, they were still, there was still sin in their hearts. And, and the blood covered them it covered them but it did not totally cleanse them deep from within and that's the cleansing power of the blood of the lamb the precious blood of the lamb secondly the blood of jesus is precious because it cleanses us of guilt and that's just so beautiful what the lord was doing today is that the blood not only forgives you and cleanses you, it, it removes all the guilt of the past. Everything that you've done, everything that you've said, everything that you've experienced. Hebrews 10.22 says this, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full of assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. And having our bodies washed 
with pure water. You know, guilt is something really that people universally experience in every nation. You know, everybody at some time or other has had bad feelings of not doing what they ought to have done. And they feel bad. And there's many people that try to appease that through many different ways in the world. And they try to forget about it. But if we receive the precious blood of the Lamb in faith, it breaks the power of guilt. It's removed from you. Its weightiness is taken off of you. And you're, you're cleansed of a guilty conscience. You're not tormented anymore in your mind of what you've done. Your mind is free to think upon the things of Christ and not upon the things that you did or done. And after you have been cleansed by the blood, the precious blood of Jesus, now... You're also sanctified, which is incredible in itself. Hebrews 13, 12 says this. Therefore, Jesus also suffered and died outside the city gate so that he might sanctify and set apart for God as holy the people. Set apart for God as holy the people who believe through the shedding of his own blood. You know, just in the natural, someone might not see the difference between cleansing and sanctification. But there is a very, very important difference between the two. Cleansing has to do chiefly with your old life. You're being cleansed from your old life. Sanctification is for your new life. Sanctification is for the new person that you are in God. And so in that, to understand what sanctification is, we must understand that God is holy. He's a holy God. And the angels around the throne are declaring, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Sanctification is, I mean, holiness is basically the attribute of God. It's the very nature of God. It's what he, what he does, and he's supremely good in all that he does. So he's a holy and righteous God who does good. And now through the blood of Jesus, he's saying, now through my blood, through the son, my son's blood, I am now sanctifying you and making you holy just like me. I'm making your new self, your new life as holy. So when the devil is lying to you and said, you know what? You haven't changed one bit. You still look the same, smell the same, and talk the same. You haven't changed. Well, you know he's an accuser. He's going to lie to you about your old self. And that's when you, by faith, can say, no, by the blood of the Lamb, God has given me the gift of sanctification. I am holy. That is a humbling reality, that we are holy. 
We're made holy because of the blood of the Lamb. When God looks at you, it's not about what you've done. It's, it's, you don't, you don't work up to get holiness. Holiness is not something that is achieved. It is received. You're receiving it by faith. So when the devil's lying to you about your old self, you say, well, you know, you've got a problem. Because according to the word, and the blood of the lamb has made me holy. I'm not that old person anymore. I'm a new person in Christ. And it's, and actually, it's actually beginning to train and renew your mind and seeing that, you know what? You don't have to keep living like that anymore. You're a new person. I mean, you can wake up every day and say, thank you, Lord, for the blood. Today, I'm sanctified. I'm made holy. I'm not that old rascal I used to be. I'm a new person. That just transforms and renews your mind and gives you hope. The precious blood of Jesus also cancels everything written against you. It's been nailed to the cross. Some of you, I'm sure, have had violations. Some of you, some of the things we've done could have been thrown into prison. Some of us, some of the things we have done have crossed the line. And in that, the devil is a legalist. And he knows what has happened and what's been done. And he'll hold you to it. He'll say, you did this, and you broke the law. The devil is a legalist. But what has happened, Colossians 2, 4 says this. He canceled out every legal violation we had on our record. An old arrest warrant that stood to indict us. Wouldn't you say amen to that? I mean, come on. All the arrest warrants, any indictments, every violation has been written against you because the devil's a legalist. He's going to tell you, he's going to say, you are guilty. Well, yeah, I am. But the blood, the blood of the lamb cancels and nullifies the things that have been written against me. I was once that, but now I'm a new person in Christ. So look at this. He's canceled every legal violation that we had on our record and the old arrest warrant that stood to indict us. He erased it all. Can you all say erased it all? Our sins. Our stained soul. He deleted it all. And they cannot be retrieved. retrieved. Everything we once were in Adam has been placed onto his cross and nailed permanently there as a public display of cancellation. Woo! Come on. It's been canceled. 
The power of the precious blood of Jesus cancels the legal right that the enemy had over you. He cancels it, nullifies it. So the court of heaven has a verdict to say today. And the court, the ruler of the courtroom, almighty judge himself, says, he is innocent. It is canceled. My son paid it all. You're free. And to whom the son sets free is free indeed. He erased our sin-stained soul. The word erased explicitly holds the removal of stains. Do you realize that? Our, it's just the stains. And this would mean that the nature of Adam, our old self-life, has been erased. And the nature of Christ has been embedded into you. The very DNA of Jesus now is inside of you. You are recreated. You are bought by the blood. You're given a new DNA. You are no longer yourselves anymore. And also the precious blood of Jesus empowers us. Hebrews 10, 19 says this. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil, and that is his flesh. The blood of, the, of Christ, the precious blood, gives us boldness to come into the throne room of God with no more shame, no more guilt, no more of anything. It gives us the privilege of bolding. I mean, you got to realize, at one time, when they would offer up a sacrifice in Israel, for the, the priest would go into the Holy of Holies. And it was such a holy moment that if, if, if the priest did not do everything just right, they would tie a rope to the ankle of a priest. And as he went into the Holy of Holies, if things did not go well, guess who they had to drag out by the rope? The priest. They would drag him out. Well, George, you didn't do a very good job this time, did you? <laughs> you know, I mean, but we don't have to fear now going into the Holy of Holies. As children, we've been covered and bought in the blood. We're his sons and daughters. We get to open up the door to Papa's house. And we get to run into the throne room of God. And we get to cry out, Abba, Papa, Daddy God, it's so good to see you. And the blood allows us to come into the throne room and put our arms around our Papa and be loved by our Father because we're his children. And once a child, always a child. Once you've been bought by the blood, you are saved by the blood. You are forever going to be in Papa's house. And you don't have to be fearful of running into his presence anymore. That's why you can boldly go in. It's because of the blood. There's no more guilt, no more shame.
so you get to run into his arms. Is that not amazing that we get to call the creator of the universe, Papa, Father, Daddy. Abba literally means Daddy. That is so endearing, so intimate, so close that it's all been wiped away where we can boldly come in by the blood of the Lamb. And lastly, the blood makes us overcomers. Because you've been redeemed by the blood, because you have been cleansed by the blood, because you have been sanctified by the blood, because you've been made whole by the blood, because you've been lifted, all guilt has been, been lifted from you by the blood, we now can overcome by the blood because we know who we are covered in the blood. Appropriating the blood of Jesus by faith in your life is what defeats the evil one that wants to take you out. You stand in the authority of the blood of the Lamb and you appropriate the blood in faith and you plead the blood of Jesus over your life, over your family, over all of your, your belong, who you are. All that represents you is covered in the blood and that is what makes you an overcomer. By faith, you appropriate Revelation 12, 11, and they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even when faced with death because of the blood of the lamb, which is precious. So Lord Jesus, on that day when you came into Israel, riding on a donkey, and you wept over Israel because you knew they were sheep without a shepherd. And you said this, if you only knew that which makes for peace. And Jesus, we thank you that your shed blood has made peace. Your shed blood has broken down the dividing wall, has removed the enmity between us and God. The division that was between us and God, you made a bridge, you made a way by your shed blood. And we thank you and we praise you that you loved us so much that you went to the cross for us and that you died on the cross. You shed your precious blood to cleanse us from all, to cleanse us deep within, that there would be no more stains, there would be no more Marks. The Lord is, the blood is removing the marks off of your life. You're not marked anymore. You're not marked by what you've done. The blood of the Lamb has broken the power of the evil one. 
and you are blood-bought. You are his son and his daughter. And Lord Jesus, we thank you that because of your precious blood, we can cry out, Abba, Father, Papa. We love you, Papa. We thank you that we can boldly come into your throne room because there's no more shame, no more guilt. And we can be loved by you because we've been adopted into the family of God. We've been adopted into the family. And I thank you, Father, that we are adopted. All of us are adopted into your family. So, Jesus, we this day glory in the cross. We glory in the cross. And in your shed blood, we thank you, Jesus, for loving us enough that you shed every drop of blood that we might be redeemed and won back. So we worship you and we praise you, Lord. And Lord, in this coming week, I pray that we could prepare our hearts to see that this week is holy. This week is holy. And there's going to be a day coming when the stone is, has been rolled away that we can celebrate our risen king. You've defeated death, hell, and the grave. So, Lord, I pray this week you would just prepare our hearts so that we could come into this service next Sunday with shouts of joy, celebrating in the victory of the cross and of our wonderful Savior. In Jesus' name.